Hi everyone, this is Joshua Hoffman and welcome to another episode in the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success and discuss a few things they learned along the way. Today I have Eric Cabral, the CEO and founder of On Air Brands, a media agency launching, producing, and promoting weekly podcasts for clients and partners. Welcome, Eric. Thank you, Josh, for having me. I'm excited to be here. So um, I, I am as well because this is obviously a little bit more unique than the rest of our episodes, you being um, a podcast host yourself. Uh, so we'll obviously dive into that, but I actually want to start with something that's a little different, um, which is that you're actually a partner in the second oldest winery in America. So I want to know how the heck you got involved with that. <laughs> uh, really quickly, um, I'll, I'll try to encapsulate this within seconds. We'll see. But I left corporate America over 21 years uh, doing creative marketing, branding, all the stuff that you would imagine in a traditional agency. Um, and I said, I want to do something completely different. So what's different? Real estate investing. <laughs> so um, with the blessing of my wife, uh, she said, yes, I somehow made myself, uh, found myself in front of the room speaking at events, uh, small real estate events at first. And that was because I, within eight months, bought my first commercial property. And I was telling that story from, from the front of the room and educating people on how to quickly do it. Because a lot of people, when they go into stuff like that, they're like hesitant, you know, fear of failure, uh, limiting beliefs, whatever you want to, you know, call it. That, that was me, but I, but I battled through it. And then I was able to share these stories and someone in the audience was there when I was speaking and he came up to me and he was like, dude, I love you. I love your brand. What are you doing again? On your brands? What is that about? I'm like, well, this and this and this, why don't you be on my podcast? You know, cause for right at the time it was branding and marketing. And, um, I was like, why don't you come on my show and we'll have a conversation. Shortly after that, we became partners. He said, I'm going to buy, uh, the second, it was the third oldest winery at the time. And something happened to the second oldest. We, we don't know the story there, <laughs> but they're, they're no longer in business. So we became the second oldest winery in the United States. We are grandfathered in to call Sparkling Wine Champagne uh, from Louis Renault, who came from uh, France, uh, from Renault in France, and brought the grapes, planted them here in New Jersey, and then created um, you know champagne, legitimate champagne. So what's cool about that is I used all my marketing, all my branding, all my prowess to create a brand and help to tell the story of Renault uh, while we were raising capital for that project because we needed to raise millions and millions of dollars uh, in order to acquire that. So I was also able to leverage marketing, branding, podcasting, built a podcast for that brand. So it was pretty cool, really exciting time. My my real question that I want to know is how do I how do you can you help me find guests that can help me get involved in old wineries? The, the real question that I'll ask though is how did you actually get in that room in the first place? There, so I went onto a website. It's called uh, or it's a community called Bigger Pockets. It's it's really a community for real estate investors. Millions and millions of people at this point, but there weren't that many when I when I found it. Uh, a place to find answers. Right? A place where you can you know it's forums and just online community, sharing answers and lessons learned. And in there, I met someone, a business partner still to this day, Justin, and he was like, why don't you come to a local meetup? So I was like, cool. You know, it's 15 minutes from my house. I met him, started meeting others. And then I, we started to work together because I kept just giving to him. I didn't know what, I had no value in this community other than logos and branding and marketing and social media. So I was doing stuff for him voluntarily. He didn't know it. 
but I would just like create videos or create logos. I'm like, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? He's like, whoa, dude, this is amazing. Way better than what everybody was doing in real estate because they're data-driven people, right? They don't have creative in them naturally. So I was a unicorn in that space. So they started to recognize, oh, Eric is really good at branding. I need a new business card. I need a logo. I need a company that, that that's recognizable. So I started, that started the agency basically. And, um, and then my podcasting, which was a side thing and part of the real estate community, because I would do live interviews, just live streaming. And people kept calling it a podcast, a podcast. It wasn't a podcast. I was live streaming on Facebook. But eventually I was known and became known as the podcaster in the real estate space. And then I was like, oh, wow, I can produce for you. Yeah, sure. And then one came dozens and all of a sudden now we're here. We're straight up all podcasting production launch agency for real estate mostly. Interesting because you started in a specific niche and I think maybe because that niche was just behind on this type of uh, avenue or, or technology or whatever it is, do you think that it was beneficial to start in a niche or do you think that's not necessarily – like you obviously, it, it worked out for you. Um, so do you think that helped or do you think you don't necessarily need to start like that? I think it helped. What didn't help was the awareness of that. I mean, I had some some awareness that, yeah, I'm serving real estate investors mostly, um, but I would cast a wide net. So I, I still have clients, legacy clients, I call, that are in the tech industry, in the media industry. But then I realized, you know, whenever we would do our, you know, end of years, or whenever we would reflect on what we were doing, I'm like, whoa, yeah, it's consistent. Like real estate investors keep coming to us. I'm playing in those spaces. Why don't we just own this? So about a year and a half ago, that's where we got really intentional with focusing on real estate investors in our marketing communications and our TikToks and all everything that we do. We don't do TikToks, by the way, but we do reels and stories and all that stuff. But yeah, it was just clear that we need to have a voice in this space because it's a blue ocean. And why don't we just be intentional with it and start writing with that intention in mind? So now can we take a step back and can you tell us a little bit more about the agency, about podcasting, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So the agency, as I, as I mentioned to you, Josh, it's, it, it started as logos and, and branding and websites and developing someone's brand. Traditionally, like uh, all the creative agencies that I worked for you know, in New York City, New Jersey, and um, that we, we were doing well, but it was becoming a commodity at the time, you know, 2017, 2018, you know, things like Fiverr, things like 99designs, these things were becoming more and more popular, more and more people were gaining awareness for this. And, you know, what we used to charge five to 10K for was now becoming five bucks, 20 bucks, eight, you know, 800 bucks. And I was like, wow, we can't necessarily compete, nor do I want to. And besides, you know, I, I've done this most of my life. Um, but I wasn't looking for an answer yet. The podcast showed up. So the podcast was a way for me to build relationships and to share the stories that were in the hallways. I was always having conversations with brilliant minds and people uh, that just had so much wisdom. And I was like, man, it's so cool if we, we recorded this. It would be so cool. So that's when I started interviewing people live at events and recording that content and streaming it. Well. Yeah. I started to take that concept because people start, started to think it was a podcast. I was like, why don't I do this behind closed doors? We don't have to live stream. Sometimes I did, but mostly it's just recorded. And then it became my, my podcast, Entrepreneur Circle. So as I started interviewing people, and a lot of people, hey, they get it now, but this is 2018, Josh. Uh, people were on my show 
they would listen to the episode. They wouldn't listen to the show. <laughs> They'd listen to their episode and they go, dude, that was amazing. Who's producing it? How it sounds so professional. You're so good at interviewing. Can you help me? I want to do this. And I was like, really? So those were real estate investors, right? That I was in my network. So I was like, yeah, sure. So that, you know, me became we, and all of a sudden I shifted the entire focus of the company to be a podcast, uh, launch a production agency. I kind of want to keep digging into that because, you know, I th- you've already mentioned kind of how you got the first customer and, and obviously that's really important, but you know, one customer is a data point, And I've said that previously on this, but really it's the second customer that starts the trend and obviously the third and then, and then every customer after that. So the question is how, you know, do you remember the story or how you got specifically your second customer or at least the next batch of customers? Yeah, it, it snowballed. So when I started to do interviews, the next, I would say within the first 20, at least uh, episodes, I got my first three clients. So they, they were people that I was already um, working with. And they were people that I already had become friends with. So a lot of them were my friends. Uh, some of them were business partners. Um, but they were all guests at one point or another on my show. And, um, they all knew each other. We all knew each other. We would do shows together. Like we would co-host together and have fun. Um, and, and, and podcasting wasn't yet a thing yet at the time. So it was exciting and new. So I created a podcast, uh, studio that everybody would come and we would network and hang out and, um, just share ideas, you know, in real estate and in business and then capture it um, in our, com- in our conversations with the podcast. So yeah, all the clients that the, the first half a dozen were all people that I was in, was in my network already. How do you guys get new customers now? Is it the same referral network or do you guys do any outbound? Um, it- yeah, great question. So I took the concept of these, these, these sort of small pockets of communities and I started to expand my reach by realizing, okay, I'm kind of in an echo chamber. Um, I'm talking to in a lot of real estate meetups. I'm going to a lot of events, you know, real estate focused. So I started to, I I was invited to Entrepreneur Magazine's uh, event. I think their first and last back in 2019, I think. And um, it was an amazing event. I was like, wow, there's a bunch of entrepreneurs here that I'm meeting. They're all wonderful authors, speakers, all all, all the likes, all different types of businesses. And um, I realized this is another network that I could start to pour into. So I somehow made my way to become friends enough with Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief. Funny story, Josh, real quick. The end of the event, full day in Brooklyn, New York. He's walking away. You know, uh, you know, petite guy. He's, 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 you know, he's, he's really light on his feet. He's got his book bag slung. He's, well, he's one-arming it. <laughs> and he's walking out of the building. And I, his name is Jason Pfeiffer. I go, yo, Fife! Like that. I yell out. And, and, and typically, you know, People cringe when I do this because I act like I know everyone. I'm a very like college frat boy guy. So I yell, yo, Fife. He turns around and he's squinting his eyes like, do I know this guy? But he starts walking towards me. And I said, dude, you were great on stage today. I love your energy. And I'd love to have you on my podcast. So keep in mind, I only had probably 12 episodes at the time. Uh, I had no one really famous yet, although he pointed this out. He said yes later through emails. And he told me on the show the only reason he said yes is because he saw that Randy Zuckerberg was on my show. Yeah. So you may recognize the name. She's the sister, uh, older sister of Mark, and she basically helped to create Facebook. Um, and I met her through another networking uh, um, uh, community 
But yeah, so that validated my show for him. And he said yes. And it was that sort of catalyst that started to open the doors to other places. And then I started cross-pollinating these networks, real estate, you know, entrepreneurship, all that stuff. And any other creative stories of, of how you got guests? I, I, you took me off of that one. Any other? Yeah. yeah. Anything else? It's what, what's funny about the Randy Zuckerberg stories, I didn't even have a podcast at the time. I was just, I found myself in a place where I had an opportunity to have a conversation with her one-on-one for about five, 10 minutes. And I, I, I was not so prepared, but I kind of was prepared. Um, I guess the experience of interviewing all these people live gave me the confidence to just chat with her. And I was like, hey, do you mind if I record this real quick? I did not have a podcast. I didn't call it anything. Uh, but later I realized, oh, I have this conversation that I had with Randy. What if I mm. made this an episode of my podcast? So I did mm. a whole pre-roll. I did a whole thing before to make it like a full length episode. Um, but that was enough. Like, I don't necessarily seek out big names anymore. And I'm not saying they seek me out, but they do land on my my lap. Um, and you, when you're starting a podcast, if you want some big names, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't create or have a lot of focus on, I need big names, I need big, big names, but it is helpful when you do get them. I'd, I'd say the ratio is like one to 25, you know, one big name, because then everybody who's going to potentially be on your show will see those names as you collect them, you know, and, and, and you know, people want to be in good company. But yeah, those are, yeah, I have other creative stories, but I don't want to <laughs> continue uh, without any pause. Sure. Um, do you do you think that hosting a podcast is good for most companies or specific companies? And then what makes it good or not good for that company? Yeah, great question. So I would say for the majority of companies that yes, they should have a podcast. Now, what it will be about entirely depends on what the business is. Um, there's some businesses where, you know, you know, roofing or, you know, actually I have some friends that are doing podcasts, roofing, and they're talking about other things, but, um, th there's definitely ways for you as a business owner to share your story, your values, your core beliefs with people that want to do business with you eventually when they need you. Right. So it's their statistics show, Josh, that you know, Gen Zs and millennials, 67% of them believe that it is necessary for someone who's in business to have a personal brand. And what does it mean? A personal brand for me and my definition is it's your online reputation. So if you don't have the digital breadcrumbs that lead to you, your online reputation, how is someone going to know when they need a new roof or they need a new website or they need a podcast or they want to buy a building or whatever it is they want to do? You're going to be the person they're going to call because you're out there constantly. Now, how can you be out there constantly? If you have a podcast, you're creating content weekly, daily, because it's getting chopped up into micro content. Everybody knows Rogan. It looks like he's out there all the time because he's recording podcasts and it's getting chopped up into hundreds and hundreds of clips. So that's how we maintain consistency for ourselves and for clients. You know what? I heard this actually on another podcast. Um, I, it was either like James Clear on Tim Ferriss or something. And the person was talking about how they don't do any content that goes away right after you record it. For example, radio. They, he said that he stopped doing radio because if you're not listening to it at that time, it completely goes away where you know things like podcasts and obviously books and articles online you know, people can find them years later and then reach out to you. And that's, I forget exactly the story, but that's how someone 
you know, that's how he closed one of his biggest clients or whatever it was, because they ended up reading an article from years in the past um, where he was still getting the credit for that. So um, I think that's another, you know, powerful thing to podcast is that once it's recorded, it's there forever. And you can always point people in that in that direction. Um, yeah, that's great advice, by the way. Really good advice. So getting back to, you know, growing the company, are you do you have a team now? Is it just you? What does that look like? No, it, it hasn't been me for a while. Um, I, I learned by surrounding myself with entrepreneurs that I was, I was trying to be like uh, is to quickly you know, figure out how to replace yourself. There's going to be someone that's doing what you're doing that's better at it. So find those people and then you know, learn how to do the things, figure out what the system and the process is. That's, that's typically how I work. I eat my own cooking and then I'll pass it on to someone. That's, that's, that's usually my methodology. Um, but yeah, the editors, the proofreaders, the copywriters, uh, the graphic designers, and my COO, are, those, are, those are really the core competencies of the majority of our, I mean, we, have a, a biz, we have a launch coach too, a podcast launch coach, but the, he's more on the strategic side that only, you know, he's, he's like the, the cleaner. He's like Harvey Cattell in Pulp Fiction. Shout out to you. Uh, yeah. So he comes in when needed. Um, and then, you know, the rest... Are, are the ones that are necessary to do the work continuously. Like if you think about it, dozens and dozens of shows, which means hundreds and hundreds of episodes and pieces of content that are being created each week, uh, that takes a team. That takes systems and processes that, that are foolproof to a degree. So yeah, there's no way I could do that. And I realized that very early on, just with my show alone, I was like, I can't do two shows, let alone dozens of shows. I, I can't get the smile off my face after you made the Tarantino reference. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we talked about Tarantino for about three seconds before this call, so I, I love the, the reference. Um, who was your first hire, and like, what was the point at which you got to there? Like, damn, I need someone else. I would say my VA slash you know admin was probably one of the very first hires. I mean, I had a lot of hires along the way, but she's the one that's still with me you know, four years later. The company's been around for over five years, but she's been with me for four years. And I think she's played many roles. One was, the first one was she was my admin, my exec admin, uh, picking up the pieces, cleaning up my mess. And at some point I put her on clients. She was so good. I said, okay, you, I have enough confidence in you that you could speak directly to clients. So she started to manage the clients, the workflow, uh, she became basically the um, the account manager. Uh, we call her a production manager now, um, but she was, I would say, the, the the first hire that's still with us. Yeah, perfect. Um, I actually I actually want to go back to something that again we we talked about really quick before this, um, and I just want to make sure that I kind of squeeze it in because I think it's pretty important before you know the episode ends, and that is. Um, you know, being on calls all day. Well, let me start with I'm I'm an extrovert, uh, and therefore I get my energy from talking to people. And and I noticed that actually, you know, if I'm at a conference all day, I am zinging by the end, right? Like it's hard for me to go to sleep, and I have energy out the wazoo. Um, but I don't necessarily get that on you know video calls per se, whether it's Zoom calls, uh, podcast calls, is a little different because I am it's it's a back and forth, and I still kind of have the energy there, but. Um, a lot of people are obviously doing Zoom calls all day, every day with this new, you know, post-pandemic world. Do you, first of all, do you, does, does that happen to you? And do you have any kind of best practices of what to do to avoid that? Yeah, a hundred percent. So Zoom fatigue is a real thing. And mm-hmm. I think that the the way we communicate today is drastically different than it was just even five years ago, where the majority of people, if you remember in 2019 and, um, pre- and before, 
would would ha- hand out business cards or you know handshake at a networking event and say hey let's let's meet for coffee let's 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 have dinner let's get, grab a bite uh, a lot of the stuff we did was in person still I remember when 2020 came, we were one of the first companies right out of the gate that started doing large Zoom uh, meetups and to the point where uh, VaynerMedia is paying attention and showing up and speaking at our events and asking us, taking meetings and asking me, how do you do it? Like, how do we do this? Uh, you know, and that was surreal. Like, I'm a huge Gary Vee fan. All of a sudden, I'm with his C-suite and they're, they're, they're dissecting uh, and, and reverse engineering how we're doing it. That's because a lot of people... Um, didn't realize the power of, and the internet was 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 powerful enough and ready to take this on. So we went all in, right? Society went all in, but we didn't realize the ramifications are Zoom fatigue, which is um, we're we don't have the energy of the room. We don't have the chemistry that we feel when you're standing two, three, four feet in front of someone. We don't have the predictability, spontaneity, the energy of somebody else coming into the conversation and going, oh, hey, blah, 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 drop a gem and then walk away. Or you saying, oh, give me a second. I'll be right back. I got to go to the bathroom and then come back. Like you, you, you take those breaks. Whereas with Zoom, one after the other, after the other, after the other, you don't have all of those elements. You don't have the spontaneity. You don't have the opportunities to go run for a break during a conversation, right? Because now you're just dialed in for like, half an hour to an hour straight without any interruptions. So I think that um, one of the things that I do is I'm very aware of that. So I I see my calendar. I'm like, okay, I have three meetings in a row. They were all half an hour. It's time to take a break. Like I have to work those into my schedule. And when I can, like I go for a walk or I sit on my deck or I go drink some coffee on the porch. I do something to kind of just unplug for a second and even take calls instead. Sometimes a Zoom call is on my calendar and I'll pick it up. I'll call them two minutes before I go, hey, do you mind if we do it this way? I'm just Ooh. Zoomed out. And then I'll go for and I go, and then all of a sudden I'll just go for a walk. I'm outside already. And it's it's a good break from the norm. Oh, I love that. Um, because you know, I was on a call yesterday. I usually do Zoom calls. I was on a call yesterday. And I literally, in the entire call, it was very like creative, you know, they were asking me questions that I had to dive a little deep into my brain. Uh, and I, I pretty much shut my eyes the entire time. And I realized it was no distractions. Like I was just, I was flowing. Um, so the thing I was going to say to that also is, is, is I actually hide my, my camera, both on Zoom calls and on these uh, podcast calls. I think that that is like the greatest thing that you can do is actually not be looking at your face and staring at your face. And I actually think that sucks your energy when you're doing that. So uh, just interject that a little bit. Um, And also the the other thing that I do is I actually do a lot of my prep work for calls in the beginning of the day, uh, sometimes even before nine and, you know, before working hours or normal working hours. And that allows me to take advantage of the breaks in between calls, whether it's going for a walk or something like that. Because when I feel I go from one call, start to do my even 15 minute prep and then have like a five minute break, there's just, it's just a line that I'm not stopping. Um, so I try to do as much prep in the beginning. And then sometimes I stop working at four, you know, cause I'm like, I got my hours in, um, now I'm an entrepreneur world again. So not really, but, um, that's another thing. So, uh, yeah, no, I thought that was, that was very helpful. Um, that's great advice. Josh, can I jump, can I add something to something you please, said? Please. So, uh, I know that you said it works for you, uh, in terms of turning your camera off or or not looking into the camera so that you can focus and zoom in, that works for you. But what I recommend others is um, 
what's happened as a result of these cameras and Zoom and not having the physical connection and, and, and being in the same room is that although unnatural, looking into the camera creates a, a, a stronger connection because that's what people are accustomed to. Like I'm looking at you right now, but I'm looking at the camera. And the thing is, especially in sales, people, if you're not looking at someone as you're talking to them in person, something automatically subconsciously says distrust. Like I won't trust this person because they can't make eye contact with me. Now, Zoom is different, right? Because we're not together. Uh, so your propensity is to look away, shut the camera off or whatever. But what my point is, if you can make the, the create the habit, which is really unnatural, uh, but I've gotten accustomed to it, is looking into the camera from time to time so that you can make that one-on-one -on -one connection as you would in person anyway. And um, it, it, it's, it's an ability that you could teach yourself. Although I think I've heard AI is getting in, stepping in now and they're able to, if you don't move a lot, it, it can make it look as if you're looking into the camera, uh, even though you're looking down at your notes or looking at the screen. I'm like, man, I've developed that skill over years. And now AI is making it easier for people. But anyway. You know, I haven't dove into AI or ChatGPT uh, in any of these calls yet. I'm like scared to because I think it'll open up a treasure trove, which could be good, I guess. But uh, first of all, I want to say uh, I'm so glad that you actually disagreed with me a little bit there. Um, but I do want to clarify that, uh, okay, the call obviously was not on video, but I actually don't ever turn my camera off. It's just I don't, I turn the view off or I don't like in, in this example, I move the uh, page over so I just don't even see my face. Um, but that's, that's a fantastic point. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Absolutely. Uh, so coming towards the end, I have a few questions that I typically ask uh, most guests. And the first question is, if you had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? Have a personal brand. You, and if that's through a podcast, that's great. <clears throat> you can kill what, two birds with one stone. But if you're a marketer, I get it. You're, you know, you're, you're teaching things and you're saying things and you're recommending things <clears throat> that you're not necessarily doing. Um, so that's what I would say is like, practice what you preach. Um, I get it. You got to do the work too, uh, but find the time to put yourself out there so that people, when they look you up, you know, you don't want to necessarily be the cobbler's kids, uh, have no shoes type of, uh, scenario, which is, which is typical. Um, but yeah, just be intentional with what you're putting out there and show your face once in a while. Um, if not all the time, I know there's a lot of marketers. There's a lot of people, they reach out to me. They're like, Hey, I can manage your Instagram or I could do this and that for you. I'm like, where are you? Like, I don't, I don't hear you. I don't see you. I don't even know if you're a real person, especially now in the AI game. Um, so yeah, that's what I would recommend is, is put yourself out there, uh, through blogs, maybe writing, if not a podcast in some way, shape or form. Maybe that last part was the answer to, to this comment or question, but you know, like I am not someone that likes putting my face out there or like even promoting my own stuff. Don't get me wrong. I want to get more podcast guests. I just like it. It's not in me to, to like to do that, but I totally understand that it's almost necessary. Um, any, just any quick thoughts on that? I don't let, for lack it, of better it, it is necessary. And I'll tell you statistic, as I had mentioned earlier, 67% of Gen Z's and millennials, yourself included, who are the people over the next 20 to 30 years making all the buying decisions, all of them. So if you plan to be in business <laughs> over the next, you know, 5, 10, 20, 30 years, these are the people that are going to make the decision to invest in you. And if they don't see you, how are they going to get to know you? 
And if they don't know you, how are they going to get to like you and then eventually trust you? Um, because there's going to be someone out there that has a personal brand, a podcast, or their content out there that does what you do. And they're just going to go to that person because that yeah. person has the online reputation. Yeah, I know you're right. Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to convince you. Uh, <laughs> but if I am, that's great. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to educate and help anyone in the audience who doesn't recognize how powerful it is and how necessary right. in this, this day and age it is. No, you're, I think you're totally right. Uh, what do you enjoy talking about the, uh, the most that you normally don't get an opportunity to talk about? That can be in business, marketing. It can be anything. Aside from Quentin Tarantino, so yeah. dropping his movie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jump into that. Um, yeah, I love I love movies. I, I had I had the fortune of James Altucher on my show. He's he, he's a big finance, was big crypto guy, um, and we talked about movies the entire time on my podcast. That's what he wanted to talk to talk about. Uh, but dude, personal branding, uh, podcasting, and how it fuses together, and just creating your brand online. Is that's my passion, man. I've been doing. I've, I've been in branding all my life. So it, it, to make the transition into focusing less on the corporate brand and then on us as a brand, as individuals, that was my bag. I was like, heck yeah, man! I gotta, I gotta take everything I've learned over twenty plus years and apply it to this, and then now so ho hopefully help people to understand and launch what it is. You know, the, their podcast or a personal brand. Awesome. Uh, are you guys looking to hire any positions right now? Sales, man. Always looking for great salespeople, um, people that understand our mission, which is to make the world better one mic at a time. And that means between those words, we look for mission-driven entrepreneurs. We look for people that are doing something other than, I need to make a buck. You know, like I don't like to create podcasts that sell, 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 sell. Now, if we do do that, we're transparent about it, right? We're open about it and we say, hey, we're going to have this conversation. We're going to recreate, we're going to, we're going to uh, repurpose the content to help promote what we do. And by the way, if you're interested in only if it aligns and you need what we have, you know, that's the way anyone out there, if you're going to create a podcast, please uh, create it by knowing, lead with intention and uh, transparency, uh, and then you'll win in the long term. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And my last question and possibly my favorite question, any book or podcast recommendations? You can go to my podcast, <laughs> Entrepreneur Circle. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love, love uh, Full Sail. I love uh, Rogan, obviously, uh, Patrick Bet David. Uh, these are guys that I listen to and admire um, in terms of their production value and the way they do it and the, the, the micro content. Now, one quick thing I wanted to highlight that those guys do really, really well that everyone needs to take note of is that they always, during their hour to two to three hour long conversations, um, will take the snippets that are most relevant and topical and then make micro content out of that. And that's what they do to drive you to the full length, one hour, three hour podcast. So, uh, typically we do our best to do that as well for our podcasters. Uh, but understand those conversations that they're having are designed to be long so that they can pull and have conversations about, you know, the, 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 the collapse of the banking uh, industry or SVB, you know, things like that are topical. Um, they, 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 they most likely will talk about it just so that it can get those clips. Perfect. And uh, I'm just going to force the books because you have a bookshelf behind oh, you. So the I have books. to see books as well. Holy moly. Um, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> to my right, obviously, Gary, any any book from Gary V, you know, crushing it is, uh, you know, he, he put some new ones out there that I haven't read yet. 
but look for his latest ones. Um, it's funny because I, a book author, this is, this is out of the norm, but this is not a business book, yeah, uh, but, but, um, a, a friend of mine, Jason Tharp wrote a book called, uh, embrace your unicorniness. And I read that to my girls and he found out and he sent us a whole bunch of books, uh, autographed. He's an amazing dude. Check out if you have kids, embrace your unicorniness. It's such a funny story. And then business books, anything from Gino Wickman, Traction, Rocket Fuel. You want to build your business, you want to grow your business, I highly recommend checking those out. Obviously, E-Myth is a great one too. Uh, but Rocket Fuel and, and Traction are like Bibles, staples to, to build business. I love the the uh, unicorniness one. Um, I think that schooling and culture beats the crap uh, out of the uniqueness out of people. Um, so I think that's, yeah. man, had I, you know, it's funny because even one little lesson like that can change someone forever. Um, so I'm glad it's actually a kid's book. Um, yeah. As we come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to mention how people can find you uh, and anything else you'd like to end with. Yeah, I, I love to give. So with this uh, URL, you can find a, a free tips and guide to being the best podcast host or the best podcast guest, either way, uh, or if you're looking to jump into the industry, uh, you'll have these as a primer, but go to ericcabral.co slash guide, and my name's spelled with a K, so E-R-I-K, cabral.co slash guide, and you'll find a, a PDF there that's got a wealth of knowledge over the years that I've just smashed into two pages, so I hope that's helpful, and if you want to and you get inspired to reach out to me, I, I believe there's a link there to schedule some time for a consult. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having you on the show. Uh, this was great having another podcaster on the show and, and going back and forth with that. Uh, and for those of you who have learned something new on this episode, please give us a like or a follow so we can obviously continue getting the highest quality of guests. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you so, so, so much, Eric, for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Josh. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.